Well, it is uh, just so wonderful to be together and in the same room together. Hopefully you're doing well. The fall is humming along here as always. Isn't it true the older you get, the more time just feels like it flies? I don't know about you, but I remember being a 10-year-old thinking like a day was like a week, and now here we are season to season just kind of flying. So great to be together. Here's what we're going to do. By the way, if you're new, my name is Drew. Would love to meet you at some point if we have not met and talked. I know you guys. Did I rhyme? I am the rhyme master. It's all good. I want, my name is Drew, and I want to meet you. I, I grew up on DC Talk Friends, so this is, this is just all coming back. I got thinking just this week just about contemporary Christian music and how awesome that was. <laughs> I remember when I verged into MXPX, and that was like literally punk rock, so that's good. Um, how do you, how's things at Western, by the way? Good? Good, you guys are hanging there. Good. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrap some of the announcements and some of the things we're going to talk about for the first couple minutes just into the teaching. Um, there's a few things we just want to bring up to speed on, some exciting things. But there's also one thing I want to make you aware of because some of you are new and we're just kind of regathering. Um, many of you know that we're a part of a great fellowship of churches, uh, close to 1,100 churches across Canada. And a part of that in our kind of region, we're a part of something called New Churches Network, which is a network of churches that are fairly new and, and kind of growing and planting other churches. What's really cool is uh, the New Churches Network is actually something that we started out of. So 10 years ago, we started as City View Church, which was a location of Royal View Church on the west side, or east side, sorry. Um, and it was a great kind of expression in downtown, the downtown core here of Royal View. But as we kind of began to grow and kind of grow into ourselves, you know that a couple years ago, a few years ago almost now, we rebranded and relaunched as Praxis Church. And we kind of launched out as part of this New Churches Network. I'm uh, involved a bit with some of the ongoings of that network. And it is just really cool to see what God is doing in southwestern Ontario, like West, West End, Toronto, all the way down to Windsor. Many of the things that we're endeavoring to do as far as church planting is really amazing. And you may not fully know, like, some of the things that we're a part of. So I want to show you a quick video. Um, a few weeks ago when we were in the park, it was Starting Point Sunday, just an emphasis on some of the new churches and things we're trying to do. And this video gives a little snapshot of some of the history that we're a part of over the last hundred years and what we're hoping to do, especially in a cultural sense within some of the major cities in southwestern Ontario as we plant churches. So check this out. and uh, I start a church in Grimsby. It's a new church uh, by the grace of God 
and we are going to start another church in Brampton because we, our passion is reaching to unreached Urdu, Hindi, Punjabi speaking people around the world and especially we are focused in Canada. Praise be to God for the new building of our own that he has given us and thanks to all the leaders in Western Ontario District and in New Church Network for their prayers and support. Together, let us lift the name of our Lord. And we are the pastors of the Well Ministries in Blind River, Ontario. Just 555 kilometers north of Toronto. We just want to say thank you to West Ontario District and New Church Network. Thanks, guys. They've been fantastic. They've been taking us through so many teachings as to how we can handle situations here in Canada. So we're part of something really, yeah, really beautiful and, um, you know, sometimes we as leaders know what we're a part of, but, you know, communicating that I think is an important piece and really just thrilled. Heather and I were at an event, as you can tell, the, the cultural vibe now within the movement is so cool. Like, um, what's happening is people are immigrating to Canada, especially in the GTA, and then they're starting... Um, churches for their culture, for that language. Uh, Heather and I were at an event with our kids in the summertime uh, with th th this network of people and we were in the mi minority and it was awesome just seeing what God is doing as far as uh, across uh, Southwestern Ontario, people coming here. Uh, there's one guy, I cannot remember his name and I feel terrible not remembering his name, but um, he, out of his basement in Hamilton, a broadcast back to Pakistan on Zoom and, and online to a million people a Sunday, a million people. Um, it's just incredible. So here he is, a part of kind of what we're doing, but had to flee because of some persecution and is brought, you, you're like, you got your numbers wrong with a million. I double-checked that one. It's a million people that log in and meet in home churches and wa watch his teaching and the service. It's just unbelievable. So a little perspective, you know, for us as we kind of plant that there's bigger things going on. As you watch the history there, like I have history in this city. My grandfather pastored LGT, London Gospel Temple, many years ago, which has deep roots in this city and was one of the first churches in our network here. I'm thankful for that. The thing as I was watching that one more time is it's not that we have to relive our past. What we need to do is walk into our future uh, in ways that the way church is done, and the way we're going to see communities happen in the future. And what I mean by that is we have a beautiful expression here of a community, and we just need to be who we are in the future, and I'm really excited. So that gives you a snapshot. We'll also make a donation to New Churches Network, and that donation will go to help start other churches and help, again, some of uh, these folk that have actually immigrated to Canada and are starting churches uh, continue the work there, which is pretty cool. Is that not cool? That's pretty awesome. Cool. I know you're excited behind the mask. It's great. It's good. The other thing is this. Just a couple other things. One is this Saturday, we are, okay, we have a huge heart for the marginalized in our city and doing everything that we can to serve. Uh, one of the things we've done over the last year is partnered with Arcade Mission. And we're actually there this Sunday, Saturday, sorry, the 23rd of October from 4 to 6 p.m. 
If you can help us, we're just preparing a meal and serving it there, and would love for you to jump on. Actually, wait, Heather, can you wave? This is Heather. Most of you know Heather. If you can help, we need some immediate help with this. Go to her and just instead of trying to email us, just go to her today and just let us know as we begin to organize for next uh, Saturday, and we'll get you uh, on the list and working with us as we prepare that. And then the final thing is, um, I'm teaching a course right now at Master's College and Seminary, and it's on mission in post-Christian Canada. And between us wrestling through some things this fall around church and church life, along with some of the students in that course, I've invited uh, an old professor of mine, he's actually shared with us one time a few years ago at Praxis, to come and to have a dialogue on the church in post-Christian Canada. We're basically uh, calling it the church in post-Christian, in in a post-Christian pandemic-shaped world. And we're just talking about how the church is gonna look in the future and coming from a posture of exile. He wrote a great book, his name is Lee Beach. He wrote a great book called Church in Exile, which has been helpful for so many people. Just getting the church to see in Canada how we can move and work from a posture on the margins. All that said, on Monday, November 1st, we're gonna do an online event where you can log in with us if you want and some of these students as well. And we're just gonna have an hour talk on some of these things. I know talking to many of you in this room, I think it would be beneficial as Lee comes and just, I know we got a lot going on, but um, if you have time on that Monday evening, I think it would be really beneficial as we talk about just the church and its future, um, talk about the posture of exile, and as well talk about how we can kind of live in a post-pandemic, a pandemic-shaped world. So if you wanna join us for that, we'll have more information, but uh, hopefully you can log on with us on that Monday night. That's a lot. With that said, why don't you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11 with me. Take a second, fire on your phone if you need it. Laura did such a great job last week. I can't say enough that if you missed the teaching from last week on gratitude and tracing the line of uh, Rachel and Leah and that story in Genesis, such an important teaching. I would go back and listen. I leaned over to my brother last week and just, I I think I said this last week at the end, and just said, this is the amazing thing about the Hebrew context of the scriptures. Sometimes you can just miss reading in English the story of what's happening and it was so well unpacked. But what we're gonna do for the next few weeks is kind of continue and engage in this series that we're in called Is It Worth It? Is church worth it? We've kind of, we're laying it all on the table as we try and regather here and as we endeavor to regather. Is church and what we do week in and week out worth it? Now, brothers and sisters, listen to Jesus of Nazareth. Listen to his words. Scroll all the way down to verse 28. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus says, is easy, and my burden is light. This is the reading of God's word. So many, probably like many of you, before this pandemic, I know I'm talking about the pandemic again. There will be a day where we get back by this. But before kind of COVID hit, I was having numerous conversations with people And it was mostly pastors who seemed to be lamenting some of the shifts that were taking place in the Canadian church. Obviously, the church, even before the pandemic, was finding itself in the waves of 
at one point postmodernism, and then as we kind of veered into the 21st century, in towards kind of a post-Christian moment, a post-Christian culture. And as I talk to people, and especially pastors, there seemed to be a bit of disappointment, especially for my Pentecostal and charismatic friends. A lot of people were lamenting the fact that things kind of had changed, things were changing. And one of the key things that I heard as I talked to people is people expressing their sadness that when we gather together on Sundays, people weren't, were not entering into the worship gathering like they once did, right? People were just kind of reflecting on either their childhood or the, future, or the past uh, churches that they had grown up in and just lamenting like, at times there seemed to be something missing. And I, I was seeing this across the board on social media feeds. There were, of course, clickbait articles with titles like 10 Reasons Why No One Sings in Church Anymore. Anybody get sucked into this world? Okay, I'm the only one that needs this type of therapy. And a lot of people were just trying to figure out why, why is there less engagement? People seem to sing less, engage less, and what is going on here? For me, these conversations were happening at a time where I kind of had gone back to school and was working on a master's degree at McMaster Divinity College with a primary focus on the Canadian church and millennials. So those of us that were kind of born between 1980 and 2000, where are my people at? Some of you, so are you guys like right, help me out here. Uh, you're right on the brink. 2000, so you're, you're, old, you're right on the edge of it, which is great. Um, you know, as I was kind of looking at the worldview in which the Canadian church was coming from and some of the changes and shifts, um, it was just a fascinating time to hear people lament on what they were experiencing. So you hear this all the time. There's no, there's no secret that we're living in a post-Christian moment in, in our time. I don't think many people are going to deny that. And yes, we are growingly immersed in an age of skepticism. It's a thing. There is a cottage industry right now in evangelicalism around doubt. And we actually welcome doubt. Um, I believe that work, working through that in community is important. But let's be honest, and this is not a knock at actually some of the books we've used, but if you want to sell a lot of books right now, you tend to come in the Christian world from skepticism and doubt if you actually want to sell a book in the Christian world. Burn. That was a little, I didn't mean that to sound slow. I'm not confrontational at all. That kind of came across hard, but just as true. It's a lot easier to come from a position of skepticism than it is like, hey, I followed Jesus for 40 years. Like, who's going to read that? But anyways, that's another teaching. Um, we're on the doubt train a bit. Again, which at times we certainly welcome in community. But as we've wrestled through, even pre-pandemic, around some of these shifts in corporate worship, if you were to ask me why I think there has been dramatic changes in the worship, worship culture of many churches in Canada, and at times in our own, it, I think it simply comes down to one thing. And I love you all, and this is, this is challenging me as well, okay? But I think that one thing is we are too busy. Welcome to church. We're a little too busy, and I'm, I, if there's anybody I'm teaching or preaching, whatever you want to call it to this morning, I am talking to myself. Think, just think constructively with me as we look at Jesus' teachings and we look at the effectiveness as the gathered church. You and I would have pretty high expectations to assume that significant things are going to happen in our church communities at one time. 
This is not a judgment thing. You know, you know where I'm coming from, hopefully. It's no secret that people, even before the pandemic, are gathering less and less on Sundays. And I actually just think, even through this, we were wrestling through this, I think we need to be more honest about this. We need to be more honest about the fact that we probably won't experience much of what some of you may be experienced in past days when people were used to gathering weekly for singing and community and worship together. We, I've just been thinking, we have pretty high expectations to experience some of the things that we have in the past with the kind of new rhythms we've stepped into. And I know that COVID has messed this up even at its foundation as well. Here's what we don't talk about, you ready? You okay? Hanging in behind the masks? And this is not, you know me, this is not a plea to get everybody to come to church every week. That's not it at all. I just think we need to be constructive. And instead of us begging people to come to church, I actually think there's a deeper conversation. And this is what we've been going at the last bunch of weeks, which has been beautiful. Here's something people won't tell you. Corporate worship has a rhythm to it. Corporate worship has a rhythm to it. There's actually something significant that happens in community when it's regular and it's familiar. And we can almost concede that without things, are, without these things, without community, without f- being familiar with each other and regular with each other, um, there will be challenges in the rhythm of our worship together. The fact is, and I know this, I'm on, uh, <laughs> very involved with youth sports right now, the fact is a sports team that never practices together probably won't be that good. It's just crazy watching the amount of time my boys are doing what can seem like, if you were to go and watch it, seemingly meaningless things over and over. And if there is a continued disorientation in our corporate gathering together, our expectation should actually go down. This is what I've been telling people. Man, you're like, you're a buzzkill. I'm sorry. I just want to tell the truth. If we don't gather regularly together, we should have very low expectations of what happens in this room because we face the reality that no matter how big or small churches are right now, obviously the pandemic has shaped things, obviously at a fundamental level, but even I think what communities are finding is that there are congregations within congregations. One of the tensions before COVID for many churches, including ours, is that if you have a liturgy or themes that build on it from week to week, like songs and readings and teachings and teaching series, you probably face the fact, we we face the fact that infrequency makes it difficult to be directional from week to week within the community. And we were feeling this. So we'd put series together and we'd be like, everybody remember what happened in like week two of the series? And everybody's like, I wasn't here. There's no judgment on that, but we're just experiencing these types of challenges. So with all this, Many um, pastors, leaders, people I heard before the pandemic will say things like, it just doesn't feel the same. I'm not an alarmist. Obviously, you know that by any means. And quite honestly, again, this is not a lament to go back to the better days. Nor, again, is it an attempt to beg people to come to the church. It's simply a critique that we should be discerning the right things amongst all of the change. Most of us, Pre-pandemic and now as we get back into the world, hopefully some normality, oftentimes we're too busy and this has implications on the church. And if you find yourself as someone in this room kind of feeling, maybe you're feeling this, why don't we enter into worship like we used to or things have changed, I would say that this is part of the reason why. This is part of the reason why. So 
the challenges we're experiencing, COVID, a post-Christian posture, all that we're, you know, as we answer and talk about this question, is it worth it? All of these things that we're experiencing are real. But I also, as I reflect back on my, like, I don't know how many years it is, like 18 years or 17 years of full-time pastoral vocational ministry, as I look back on those years, I've also noticed one thing that the people who get the most out of church, and when I say the most, I mean this in the best, best sense. The people who draw the most from the community are those who are not busy. It's pretty simple. As I look across the people that, at the depths of growth and following Jesus and have kind of made this commitment to follow Jesus in the way of Jesus in the church, they're the ones that have slowed their lives down. It's pretty simple. Those who seem to grow and follow Jesus the closest are the ones who have slowed down. They're the ones who often come early. Well, you know who you are. Look out. It's all good. No judgment there for those of you that are late because it happens. Or the ones who come to our Sunday morning gatherings without lunch plans. Or the ones who go to community groups or or midweek meals or house churches not looking at the clock of when they've got to go. I know that for my experiences in this community, it's the people who have slowed themselves down. And I know that the word unbusy, well, in my notes here, it appears with a red line under it because that's not a word. And some of you that write, you're like, that's not a word, it's true. But this may be one of the greatest virtues of a disciple in our current cultural moment. Jesus wasn't in a hurry and neither should we. Now, We talk a lot here, and we've talked over the years, about this discipline of Sabbath. And if anybody is underqualified to talk about what we're going to talk about the next 10 minutes or so, you're looking at him, okay? There are things that come easy to me. Fixed hour prayer, I've developed that in my life. Corporate worship, uh, I'm pretty good with that. Um, I think of other disciplines like scripture, I've tried to build that into my life. As an A-type 3 on the Enneagram, this thing called Sabbath and ceasing and stopping work um, is not a, not, not a very good practice thing in my life. So I know I want to make sure that the mirror is up this morning, that as we talk about this. But think about it. Think about what Jesus says here. Jesus says that my burden is what? Light. My yoke is easy. Jesus' burden is light. But one of the things we don't talk about a lot is the church's burden light. Jesus uses this word here that his yoke is easy. In the first century, we're not talking like cracking eggs and like the yellow thing in your eggs, okay? For Jesus, this was a clear picture in the rabbinic world that the yoke was a set of teachings. So if you were a rabbi in the first century, like Jesus was, Uh, If you were a disciple of a rabbi, you would go to the rabbi, you would follow in the dust of the rabbi, you would follow where the rabbi went. And oftentimes, and if you know the way of the Pharisees, it was pretty heavy. There was 613 Old Testament laws in the Torah. The Pharisaical community dumped law on top of law even on that. It was a burden. It was like a millstone. You hear this language. It was like a millstone around people's necks. They literally thought that the way the kingdom of God would come is if they live perfectly according to these 613 laws, and when somebody messed up, you kind of basically started again. It was their piety. And so many times, people's teachings were burdensome. You have this, think about it. I can't even like slow down at, what, what is it, uh, Wonderland and Springbank there. There's like red light cameras. I just like, I freak out about red lights and I can't, there's a lot of rules that I have a hard time obeying. 
let alone making my bed in the morning, and Heather's like, you know it, right? Think about being, having 613 different instructions over you and people keeping it on, and Jesus comes in the midst of that and says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The picture of a yoke is actually the thing you do with a yoke. It was an instrument that they would put between two oxen. Just think of a piece of wood with two holes for the heads to go through. And ultimately what they would do in this kind of agriculture moment in the first century is the two oxen would walk together, but to plow the field like in a straight line and to do it effectively, the two oxen would be brought together and they would be yoked together. This was the picture in the first century they would get. This is Jesus' yoke is his teachings, it's his way, but it's also syncing up and linking up with him. And oftentimes, you know this, we're in a moment where we want Jesus to come alongside us. <laughs> Anybody else with me? Like my life, I'm just, I got lots of vision for my own life, and it would be really great to, to have Jesus just kind of yoke up with me, like, like I'm going somewhere and Jesus, you need to come with me, when in reality, the Jesus way is that it's the other way around. And one of the tensions we find ourselves in right now in this moment is that, I hear this, somebody will go to a church and they're really, they live a fast-paced life and they look for certain things in a church that's fast-paced. This church is moving, it's doing stuff, it's got programs for my kids, it's got a great Sunday experience, the, the children's ministry is lit. I think this is what the kids say, is that what they say, lit? Is that a thing? I don't know, yeah, this is beyond me. Again, I'm a millennial now and I guess that's old, so it is what it is. Looking for really fast-paced environments, but what's fascinating now on the other side of that and watching friends go through this is that oftentimes really fast-paced people connect to really fast-paced churches, and it's a disaster over time. And so one of the questions as we look at what Jesus says about the burden being light, certainly he was speaking to individual disciples there, but one of the challenges as we talk about is it worth it, is the church's burden light? Can we as a community live in the way of Jesus where the burden is light? And one of the things we have to think through is have we thought about what Sabbath could do for our corporate worship? There's lots of, again, over the years, we've talked about this spiritual discipline of Sabbath, and if you don't know, I'm not going to reteach a lot of that, but in the 10 big ones, the 10 words, the 10 commandments, it's fascinating that there's like, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't covet, don't do these things. And right in there is one we just, at least Drew Fest, does not obey. It's called the Sabbath. A day not just to take off. The picture of the Sabbath was a day to cease. You would prepare for the Sabbath. Uh, from sundown to sundown, it was a basically 24-hour period where you not only did not work, but it was a day to cease and to rest, but most importantly, to worship. There's been lots of talk in the Christian world the last number of years about slowing down, about eliminating hurry. All of that is wonderful, about kind of slowing our lives down. But what's fascinating about the Sabbath is at the heart of it, it was a day set aside for worship, a time not to buy or to sell, a time for too much food, but no time for dishes, right? A time to reflect and celebrate, a time to make love, a time to spend with those you love, to slow down, to not buy or sell. Ultimately, the Shabbat, the Sabbath, is a day of not just rest, but a day of rest and worship. It's a reminder to us that even in the rhythm of the garden, 
God rested, and if God can rest, we can rest, but not only that, that the world can actually go on without us one day a week. No, A-types, you're like, no way. Like, I got schedules and calendars and a to-do list. Anybody? No to-do list people? Just come down, we'll pray for you right now. I just, the world can actually go on without me for a 24-hour period. Now, lost in the discussion, again, there's been great, at a popular level, like these books around eliminating hurry, I think of... uh, Jefferson Bethke, he's had this book, To Hell with Hustle. There's this call to like kind of slow down to think through our lives. I think one of the best books written, uh, contemporary books over the last few years, is by a guy named A.J. Swoboda, who wrote a book uh, on Sabbath. And in that, he wrote a little chapter, and it's just resonated with me, because what we've done is we've talked about Sabbath as an individual thing, and rightfully so, it is very much an individual practice but we've missed the corporate element of Sabbath. In his book, A.J. says this, in quotes, he says, traditionally, corporate worship has been the way Christians have entered into God's Sabbath rest. It is as if Sabbath and worship always went hand in hand. The reality has, um, sorry, the reality has forged a beautiful sense of identity in the life of the church. This act of gathering to worship is, in the words of Stanley Hauerwas and Samuel Wells, it is, in quotes, the most significant way in which Christianity takes flesh, evolving from a set of ideas and convictions to a set of practices and a way of life. And one thing, and this was resonating before I read AJ's like, chapter on this, is we've created, in some ways, a theology of rest the last number of years, and people have been longing for this, and we need that. Well, in some ways, we've created almost like a secular Sabbath. Practices that get us to slow down and feel better and light candles, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm, you're talking to a guy, listen, my, two kids in competitive hockey and one on his way, my life is just a calendar right now. So I'm, there's no judgment here, but I think what we've done is we've kind of created a secular vibe in some sense to Sabbath because we haven't connected it to corporate worship. Svoboda would go on and say, I wonder if something critical is lost when we disconnect our corporate worship from Sabbath. And so one of the things that I've just been wrestling through is yes, we want to cultivate this type of practice, but imagine a church that actually gathered out of rest. Like, think how, and I'm going to use this word. I know, like, sometimes when we talk about being saved by grace through faith, we are afraid of this word. But imagine how good, how good our church could be if we came to the corporate worship in a posture of rest. That Sabbath was created in our life, and then when we come together in this environment, we're not necessarily watching the clock, and yes, our gatherings are around an hour, but I mean the even bigger picture of you coming, spending time with people, you coming and I coming to the gathering, and we are, we are rested and ready to go. That there was a sense, I actually think there could be a sense that just for the way forward in a post-pandemic kind of world, the church matters, but imagine a church that just comes and this corporate style and this corporate community gathering flowed out of rest, not looking to the next thing. And again, I know the tension of that. I know many of us have a lot going on. Some of us are students and it's like five hours of sleep is like the norm right now or whatever. But I just dream about what the church could look like. Sabbath 
is a stopping our work, one person said, and announcing to all creation and everyone around us that Jesus is Lord. Or as N.T. Wright puts it, Sabbath, Sabbath rest is a foretaste of eternal life. The regular signpost pointing forward to God's promised future. I love that. Or Abraham Heschel, the great rabbi, he says this, heaven will be an eternal Sabbath. And so I think about a church that comes from this type of posture where our Sabbath is embedded in our public and corporate worship together. Now, you're like, dude, look around. There's lights. There's TVs. Kevin was sweating this morning setting up. You know, these guys were sweating. Like, I love Kevin, and Kathy and these guys and all the, the people that helped this morning setting up. There's work to do, right? Like, there's, there's work to do in a church. Absolutely, there, are, there is work to do. But one of the things, just at a practical level, and we're going to talk about practicals more over the next few weeks around the church and gathering together. Yes, there are things to do, but th- those things, we hope, would never get in the way of rest in God. Yes, there are, there's pipe and drape to set up. There's people right now looking after your children, and you can just say amen to that if you have kids in there, right? Like, there are things absolutely to do. But one of the hopes is that we would be a community where the burden is light. And that may mean, and even for my own heart and life, who likes things pretty and in order, I like design, I like good feelings when you come into a room, and that will never change. But there are actually more important things than a good vibe and good feelings, that this could be a place where people find rest, right? Jesus' burden is light. And I think in a world, honestly, over the last couple years that has had the message of Jesus like full in their faces, like if you're on social media, the church has had a moment here the last 18, 20 months or whatever to get the message out. We've been just saying now we actually have to live into that message. And I just, I wonder if one of our apologetics in the future, one of the ways in which we tell this good story to the world is that we would be a place where the weary could come and find rest. Are you with me? That through worship and singing, through turning to each other, through coming to the table, through falling asleep during the teaching, you know what, you have permission if you need that, right? Like, who is this guy? Whatever it is, that the church community, part of our apologetic, is that this would be a community that would slow down and find rest. So one of the things I've noticed uh, in the talk pre-COVID and now some of the talk during COVID is people, oftentimes, and I'm like this, I want an amazing church. Like I just, you know, I want to be a part of an amazing church and sometimes that's our expectation. But what we often don't talk about at times is the radical reshaping of our lives to see that happen. And it takes practice and being regular together and joining in together. And my hope is, is as a community, we could do that. We could take Jesus' words seriously. That when we come to a place like this, we would come, and those who are weary and burdened, we'd come to the one who gives us rest. That we'd be a community that would yoke up and sync up with Jesus. Instead of like our grand vision and our grand like mission, and this is where we're going, we have some of those things. Don't worry, we have some of those things. Jesus, you know, like you need to come alongside us. What if we could be this community where Jesus, where are you going? Holy Spirit, where are you leading? We want to be yoked up.
to you. And so, brothers and sisters, my prayer as we talk about is church worth it is that we would reshape our lives. And for some of us, maybe that, and I'm talking again to myself this morning, maybe that involves questions about the rhythm of our lives to even make corporate worship possible. Or maybe for you, you just need in this moment as we come to the table and we respond because Jesus is king, that you'd think through coming and creating a community with us where this could be living, Jesus, the living water for thirsty souls, a place where people could find refuge. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take time to worship, as we always do in our gathering this morning. And as we open the table this morning, um, may we just kind of have these words on our mind and our heart. Jesus is inviting us. Come who are weary. I know some of you this morning, this may be the first moment in a while, whether it's parenting young kids or just the pace of school, or maybe you just got married. There's a couple here that got, just got married, by the way, Lauren and Adam. Can we just give them a hand? That's pretty amazing. And they're here, which is amazing. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I just don't know where, you know, you're at this morning, but may we find peace in this community and may we find joy in coming to the table in really kind of simple elements, simple things as a reminder that weary souls can meet God in a community like this and be filled to overflowing.